You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation, and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Hello, I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me as we explore ways to increase mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences. In addition to our regular weekly podcast, we also have the privilege of interviewing experts from around the world to further our understanding of how to live mindfully. Alexandra Docheva was born and raised into a musician's family in Bulgaria, and she came to the U.S. in 2000 after earning a bachelor's degree in music from the National Academy of Music in Sofia. She earned a Doctor of Musical Arts in Violin Performance from Louisiana State University in 2007. She has been practicing as a registered nurse since 2011, with a strong passion for educating patients on attaining optimal health. Her mission is to help people overcome self-imposed limitations that prevent many from realizing their goals, finding peace of mind, and acquiring prosperity. By sharing her own journey to achieving control over the most important aspects of life, Alexandra's goal is to inspire others to turn away from various forms of fear and self-doubt and go after their dreams instead of leading lives subdued to conventional ways of thinking that have long been proven outdated, inadequate, and damaging to a person's self-esteem and self-confidence. Her new book, It Really Is Simple, A Holistic Approach to Self-Confidence, shows readers how to put their lives in order by learning about the five essential pillars of life. Welcome, Alexandra. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Teresa. It's a pleasure. Your book covers pretty much every facet of optimal living. So, of course, we're not going to get to everything in this short time today. But I wanted to start with maybe you sharing a little bit about your own journey from the intense musical training and performing through becoming a nurse and also the challenges that you struggled with with self-confidence and self-esteem. Sure. Yeah, my uh, self-inflicted self-confidence challenges pretty much lasted over two decades. 
And uh, when I decided to change careers from music to uh, nursing, that had to stop because then I was really on my own in terms of I had no connections in the medical world. Um, the reality of music became very grim in between 2006 and 2008 because orchestras started downsizing and I realized I wasn't competitive enough to continue existing in an increasing market of hungry musicians and less job opportunity. So I saw this as a chance to learn something completely different from the last 26 years that I had done since age six. I was 32 years old when I went through this so-called midlife crisis. I put myself through nursing school. And I also wanted to learn more about the real world as opposed to the artist world that I had been emerged since early childhood because both of my parents were musicians and basically it was their idea that it was a great thing for me to become a violinist. And I earned my master's and doctoral degree here in the States. And then lo and behold, I decided to go to nursing. So I have been a nurse since 2011. This helped my self-confidence quite a bit, my experience with the um, suffering of people and ways they cope with real life challenges um, as far as sickness, loss of loved ones or loss of parts of yourself, depending what you're suffering from. Um, the other thing that happened was when I saw how nurses lived, I realized many of them were quite sick. So I chose to become a strong health advocate by serving as a 100% example of um, perpetual health myself. So I would have credibility as a healthcare professional. And lastly, I also started investing in real estate and uh, options trading in 2014 and 2015 because I wanted to have secure financial life and have choices as far as whether I stay employed or continue with my business. So that would reduce the stress in future years quite a bit, me not worrying about money and making myself sick over it because it's all so connected, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question about that too. Uh, yeah, it seems like it was a very long and arduous journey, but um, it led you to where you are now, which is fantastic. You talk about this in the book. And so I think I think it's an interesting because a lot of people don't think about it, which is where or what are a few of the most common reasons that we develop inferiority complexes, which of course deters us from achieving our goals? Oh, well, uh, yeah, it can be many things for sure. You either have some social problems with people bullying you as childhood, or you realized at a late age that you were in the wrong profession from for many, many years and spent most of your productive life uh, doing the wrong thing that you weren't meant to do. That was my case for sure. Other reasons for inferiority complex can be, I mean, a variety. You had a dream, somebody crushed it, or you wanted to fit in a group that you found really, really nice and cool, but nobody in this group wanted to have anything to do with you and they ignored you or they, uh, put you down. Many things, especially in childhood, when you mostly live by other people's opinions, there are few children that are able to form their own opinions and think for themselves early on. I surely wasn't one of these children. I was rebellious for the wrong reasons. And I was accommodating for the wrong reasons for a long, long time. And it took a while to realize this is all just false. That's facade. Let's see what I'm really about. But in my case, I was a really, really late starter in the uh, busting my inferiority complex and building my own self-confidence from the values I built into myself over the years. So yeah, it can be quite a few things. I just think it's very interesting. And I think a lot of people don't recognize it until later in life, but the good news is we can recognize it, right? And, and your book covers how to help move out of that state. Exactly. Um, you share a lot of information on healthy eating, including recipes, which I appreciated. And the importance of exercise and detoxification, which I think all of us could use. 
But how does making health a high priority increase our self-confidence and self-esteem? Well, for one thing, when you're truly healthy and in control of your health, you look amazing. You have 10 times more energy than if you weren't healthy enough. You can go for your higher goals that require the energy of a very healthy person to pursue because if you really are ambitious with your goals, in the first five or 10 years, you will likely have to work quite a bit. There was this nice saying, when you knock on the door of opportunity, it is usually work who answers. So if you're willing to work the 10, 12 hours a day and often without getting paid for it, you will need the healthy energy to sustain you besides your mindset that I'm going to absolutely achieve this. It's just they feed on each other. But to take care of your health, you have to eat in a way that really is healthy, not what's propagated by the industries, uh, including pharmaceutical government, animal industry. I mean, this is so much to know and research in a lifetime. However, once you understand the motives behind certain industries uh, pushing their products on you for the last 70 years, you will be able to make better decisions about your health overall. And exercise is absolutely not a substitute for a healthy diet, just as a super healthy and uncompromised whole food diet is not a substitute for your exercise because both of them are equally necessary for your health. And the detox aspects, I mean, we get exposed to 20,000 to 2 million toxins a day. To me, uh, just like with my health and finances, I categorically uh, refuse to rely on luck. And I clean my body on a daily basis, knowing that even the organic uh, plants that I buy, that I eat every day, uh, even if I trust the farmer, I really don't know exactly what's in the soil, in spite of the fact that their produce tastes so much better than the conventional produce that's full of the pesticides and uh, um, poisons and uh, poor soil in minerals. Right, So health is not a negotiable factor if you want to thrive in every other aspect of your life. We know, maybe we don't all know, but healthcare uh, business is the most profitable business in the United States right now and the first cause for personal bankruptcy. So knowing that, it is our 100% responsibility to take excellent care of our health and be an example to others, lead by example, instead of advising others, but then not following our own advice, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in uh, in my coaching training world and in psychology, it's the parallel process. So you do it, and then you're modeling, and then other people begin to do it, and it does work that way. Um, but it it's challenging for people, and that kind of brings me to your next uh, to my next question, which is, you say we need to eliminate certain words from our vocabulary, like try, and that there's never a perfect time to make change. So can you talk a little bit about that because this comes up all the time in my work. Yeah, try is form of an excuse for me. Uh, you try, so if you don't succeed, that's okay. Try indicates no full commitment. You're still afraid of failure. You're still not convinced of the value of the thing that you are quote-unquote trying. You either do it or you don't do it. That's in a nutshell. Um, what was the next thing that you mentioned? That there's never a perfect time. Oh, change. absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's another excuse that people use thinking it's an argument. Well, you know, I don't have enough money. I don't have the time. The political system is not right for me. I'm living in the wrong environment. No, that's not an argument. That's an excuse. And many, many of us, uh, eventually, if we have integrity, should confront our inability to make the difference between an argument and an excuse. Because if we don't learn that difference, we will never be able to hold ourselves accountable. What I'm hearing now a lot is that people have been through so much change. It's been change, 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 you know, with everything that's been happening the last couple of years. And they're, they just can't make another change right now. And 
I find that to be a little bit self-defeating because, you know, if you're, if you're having a health challenge, this is, there's never a better time than right now to change despite what's happened. Right. So that you don't continue to spiral down. But, you know, do you, do you have any suggestions for people who might be struggling with this conviction, you know, that they don't have the fortitude or the resilience to do this? If the changes were imposed on them against their will, I can see how that can defeat some of their pride and uh, impetus to continue fighting. But if, um, in spite of the change, I mean, did you allow these changes to happen to you? Could you have avoided them? Just sit with yourself and realize that some of the changes that were imposed on you could have probably went around, gone around. Um, we saw lots of people resisting certain changes because they did not, uh, they were not in accordance with their ethical principles. Okay. So if you succumb to changes that were against your will, ask yourself why these changes were against your deep ethical principles and why you allowed for these to take place in your life. Were you afraid of something? Were you um, not confident that you could have lived if you didn't comply with things that were not in accordance with your ethical principles? And once you resolve that, I believe if you're clear with yourself, you will then be more willing to uh, embark on a change that will be uh, adaptive to your current life situation, yet will benefit your personal growth and development if you have the specific goals in place that mostly correlate with your dreams and uh, desires for the future, better life for yourself. You have a, a chapter on spirituality. And I mentioned to you before we started this interview, I think all of this is mindful by itself. I mean, taking care of ourselves, you know, uh, self-care, paying attention to what's going on in our mind and bodies. But in that particular chapter, uh, you share that meditation is a highly effective way to perform mind hygiene. So why do we need that? Because our mind gets easily cluttered with useless thoughts, thoughts that contribute absolutely nothing to, to our personal growth and peace of mind. And just like we clean our bodies with soap and water routinely, our mind deserves just as much. And uh, people resent meditation, meditation sometimes because they uh, have a hard time making themselves focus. That is the reaction of the mind against the attempt to get controlled for even 15 minutes because its job is to constantly think. But if you unclutter your mind from useless thoughts, then you open the space for inspiration, which is the nourishment of the mind. And then on a later level in the book, in chapter 13, I'm talking about lifelong learning. When you challenge your brain with difficult concepts, that's the brain's fitness strategy, right? So to nourish the brain and give it fitness uh, challenges, it has to be clean first in a metaphorical sense of the word. Napoleon Hill said very nicely that negative thoughts and positive thoughts, the mind will not handle them with the same vibration, with the same intensity. So you have to choose which thoughts you prioritize. And when you're able to fully clean your mind, clear your mind for 15 minutes to half an hour, then the next task is to bring that sensation, that uh, feeling of a clear mind throughout the rest of your day. And you stay consciously aware, yet relaxed. That increases your ability to solve problems during your day, which are abundant, of course. And that's what puts you the stress and frustration and everything that many people fixate on. I was one of those people for, for years. It was horrible, horrible mindset that I had adopted because I thought that was the only way to live. And once I realized it took me quite a while to reverse and learn that uh, mindset, but it's very worthwhile, the journey, truthfully. And uh, I've accomplished much more once I made that decision. People tell me they don't have time to meditate. And I know you talk about time management mm-hmm. also in the book. 
I try to explain, I said try, but I explain <laughs> that um, that 15 minutes actually expands your time throughout the rest of the day and night because you are sharper and you are able to focus and you're not wasting all that energy on stress. But I know it's a, it's a hard concept for some people to get because everybody's so busy all the time. Um, but I think it's a very valuable investment of time and pays off much more than a, most things that we can do. I can't agree more. You talk about breathing. And so I want to ask, why is conscious breathing so important to our overall well-being? It rhythmizes your life cycles and your thoughts. It puts your thoughts in order and gives you really control over the mind also. If you focus on the breathing, that's something that you can hold on without distracting yourself. If you distract yourself during meditation, you gently redirect your mind towards your breathing. That's a very efficient way to meditate. I learned this from several Tibetan masters whose books I read when I was younger. It's been extremely useful and practical to focus on the breathing. And again, that also carries you throughout your day because the deeper you inhale, the more oxygen you bring to your uh, blood, cells, tissues, and organs, and organs including your heart, your brain, your cleaning orders, organs, everything. And when you breathe, it also, depending how you breathe, if you truly inhale deeply, with all the, the, the abdomen and uh, thoracic part of your uh, chest, everything, you, you feel your lungs fully, right? That's quality breathing. And it also facilitates alkalinize your blood a little bit, remove some of the acid components. Uh, many diseases are caused by extreme acidosis, like chronic acidic, overly acidic state of the blood. And yes, you may live and function with uh, more acidic blood. It's not, it's not fatally acidic, but if you make it slightly more alkaline, that defeats lots of cancer cells and growth and uh, really helps your mind better. We're talking about very, very small difference uh, in the acid-base balance. I mean, we've learned this in nursing school. It's a huge science, of course, how to maintain this balance. But breathing has been shown to be very effective in this type of regulation. You do it independently without medications, but it's just really the mindfulness of how you're breathing throughout your day, especially when you're stressed out and angry or frustrated, breathing helps you let go of these really um, harmful emotions. It's okay to experience them because you recognize that you're in a poor situation at some point, but then to get regain back control is just as important. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's amazing to me how quickly the breath can re-regulate you. So you mentioned earlier, you know, that really the point of this is to, is to be able to achieve our dreams and our desires and our goals. And um, you talk about the importance of inspiration. And so I'm wondering if you can share just if you have a lot of it in the book, but I'm wondering if you can just share a few tips on where do we find that? You find it in everything around you and in yourself, whatever you can connect with around you on a deeper spiritual level, that's your inspiration. But I like to seek inspiration from people who are much more successful than I am, but ethically and morally, right? I mean, you can be successful and be a horrible individual and example to society, but even, even the worst individuals, you can learn from their aggressive pursuit of their goals if you are somebody with low self-esteem and you can activate that same mindset in you but do it for a better purpose right so that's one form of inspiration and if you are mindful of everything you do during the day if you ask yourself periodically is this contributing to people's good to my personal growth to my perpetual wealth and health and peace of mind are my relationships appropriate for my spiritual goals right now that's another very important question right um, inspiration, I find a lot, I mean, I don't play the violin anymore because uh, you either practice or you don't practice. I used to practice nine hours a day before I became a nurse, but I listen to music all the time, uh, almost um, 
classical music, Baroque music especially, helps me put my mind together very, very well. I do this while I do my cardio at the gym, select the various music types to inspire me to plow through that. It's great with music, depending on the day. I listen to different types of music. Could be romantic music, could be uh, jazz sometimes, or Baroque, or you name it. It's anything that resonates with your current state of mind in a positive way. That's huge inspiration. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, I used to listen to music all of the time. And then during the shutdown, I created a bad habit of, of kind of trying to pay attention to the news or whatever was happening, of course, as a very dysfunctional right. way to deal with stress. And then I caught myself, <laughs> turned that off. But I just noticed recently, like, I'm not playing music during the day. And it instantly changes your emotional response to whatever you're doing, I yes. think. I mean, it's almost instantaneous. As soon as the music starts, you can feel it. So I, I think that that's a great tip. You provide step-by-step -step instructions on managing our finances and improving our financial health. I'm curious if you can explain to our listeners, how do our finances impact our self-esteem or our well-being? Well, they give us more choices. When we're financially literate, we can make our own financial decisions instead of somebody else making the decisions for us, like the government or some uh, asset management corporations to which we will pay um, commission on a quarterly basis without a guarantee that our portfolio will gain value, right? To pay the commission regardless. I have been trading options for a long time now, and I have three real estate rental businesses, which I proudly manage myself. And it's been really a great learning curve and experience. I'm a huge advocate of financial independence, but that means that you need to learn about the asset classes and choose what asset class fits your financial plans and goals best. Like you want to ask yourself the question, okay, how, what do I want my net worth to be by the time I'm 65 or 60 or 55? Age is just a number. It's I'm just giving an example. But more uh, important than net worth is what type of cash flow you want to produce so you're comfortable and not depending on an employer who can fire you at any point if their business goes downhill or for whatever reason, if you hurt their feelings, right? Um, you need to have financial choices. Uh, lots of people learned a very, very sad way that a 401k is a horrible way to invest because in 2008 and now with the COVID, we know what happened with the stock market. And if you're 60 something years old and your retirement goes to pieces because of the stock market, that's a very um, unfortunate financial strategy that you had that it was promoted to you by your employer or Wall Street. And you realize that you were really cheated big time, yet they won't compensate you for your loss. And then all this stress comes out and your health deteriorates mentally and physically. And honestly, one one fine, uh, bad health event can wipe out a lot of your money. So this is why you need to learn, I think. It's a great idea to learn how to make multiple streams of income that are not related to your job. And that's what requires the education and very staunch planning and adhering to your plan. That's another spiritual aspect of your well-being, because if you're able to be financially disciplined, that's a big deal nowadays, right? Yeah, absolutely. It builds character and uh, helps you sort out the priorities in a very different way. I think one of the top three stressors in life is money. Everybody mm -hmm. stresses about money to some degree, I think. I know I personally was never taught anything. I was never taught as a child. I was never taught as a teenager. I had no concept of what debt meant. Same here. Right? Same here. Absolutely. And I learned the hard way. <laughs> but I think if people recognize, I think a lot of people think it's something that they that they shy away from because it causes stress. And really understanding it and learning how the system works 
relieves the stress. And of course, that is going to automatically lead to better health. But um, I do think it's important. And uh, you really go into a lot of depth in it. I thought that was very impressive of really just how you gain total control over your financial. It increases the stress at first when you realize that you're financially illiterate. But as you gain the knowledge and gradually uh, builds back your confidence and faith that you can actually do it and not rely on so much on others to tell you what to do or what not to do. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, you know, we weren't born knowing how to cook. Someone taught us, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was intimidating at first, but it's just because it's money, I think is what people pull back from, again, because of the stress relation to it. So if people just recognize, oh, it's just one more thing I can learn. And it ties into your- Exactly. uh, Just one more thing you can learn. Absolutely right. Exactly. You cover the importance of lifelong learning. We've talked about it a couple of times, but how does that enhance our lives? Well, it keeps your brain extremely vigilant and alive. You don't get old if you constantly learn something new, especially if you find it challenging and hard to grasp. That's exactly when you have to go for it. And I mean, I get asked, well, how many things am I going to learn to you know, manage my time? I said, well, learn things that are truly related to your goals and dreams, but go a little bit beyond. Challenge yourself a little more because anything has an immense amount of learning opportunity But if you touch on a different topic here and there every once in a while, you will see that you can connect the dots between the different aspects of the things you didn't know before and the ones that you know. And you can, again, make swifter and better decisions with the things that you're currently involved with. It's very hard to explain that until you actually experience it. But I have found that uh, anything I have learned that doesn't necessarily relate to my goals and anything I do while staying very focused on my goals, it has contributed in some ways. And it's I've never regretted challenging my brain every day with something that I'm like, oh, that's really weird. I don't understand it. So don't shy away from it. Look, look at it. And you stay current with the times because now the technology, things change so fast and you get become obsolete and your brain can become just obsolete as the technology that's changing every day. You got to keep that in mind. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's interesting because you're right. It's hard to explain to someone because you have to sort of experience because when you look back, then you can see how the dots connect. You can't see it looking forward, but I agree with you. I've had a very, I don't know, I don't even know what you call what I've had, just all over the place over my life, different careers, different jobs, different educational experiences. And a lot of the times I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this or when am I ever going to use this? But I do. (laughs) It it does (laughs) kind of merge back together and it's empowering and it's definitely self-confidence building because you're like, oh, oh, I, I do know this because of that weird experience I had five years ago. So the brain is a strange amalgamation. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's close with this. What to you, and I know this is a question that's going to be a really big question for so much information, but what's the <laughs> most important consideration when working toward optimal health and achieving our desires? Just keep yourself accountable, create clear, realistic goals and have a crazy goal that you don't think you can achieve right now, but you'll be surprised when you achieve it and you set more goals. But as far as health, um, you really can't compromise. You don't have the time to compromise. And prioritizing health, and but it's just not health. It's everything else, though. Health, the spiritual aspect, the career, the finances, the relationships. Everything has to go together. and you got to keep it at an optimal level at all times. That means you constantly work on becoming an improved and improved version of yourself without bashing yourself or not being at the level where you want to be. You just recognize where you are and you keep building and building and building and never become complacent. And that's what keeps you healthy, mind-wise and body-wise. 
you know, I think that's a, a great response. And I think the only thing I would add to that is it's not necessarily a linear path. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you're not going to just, even if you think you're doing everything the way you think it should be done in that moment, doesn't mean you're not going to either have setbacks or discover something new or so it's a little bit of a meandering or up and down. Oh, yes, yes. All the time. Yeah. You get out of your comfort zone all the time. You yeah. must, Kim Kiyosaki says, you must get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Yeah. You must get comfortable with getting uncomfortable if you want to grow personally. Thank you so much for the book and for sharing all of this information with our listeners. And uh, do you have a, a website or a place where people want to know more information about you? So work? here is the book. Uh, it looks like this. It can be found on my website, which is www.holisticselfconfidence.com. The title of the book is It Really is Simple, A Holistic Approach to Self-Confidence, A Practical Guide. Okay. And uh, I have ebook and paperback formats. The paperback is currently accessible in the United States through the website because it's really expensive to ship abroad. So we have the paperback and ebook for the US, but the ebook can be bought from everywhere in the world, it can be purchased. So, yeah, I have a Facebook page, Holistic Self Confidence, with a link to the website. I have a couple of YouTube videos on my name, Alexandra Docheva. People can find links there to the website. So, yeah, the, the site is the best place to buy for now. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor. It was a pleasure. Thanks again to Alexandra for joining us today. You can view the full interview and find a link to her book, It Really Is Simple, on our website at amindfulmoment.com. You can also find out more about Alexandra's work and order the book on her website at holisticselfconfidence.com. Until next time, I encourage you to meditate daily and be mindful in all of your everyday activities. Simply bring your full awareness to the present moment to build your mindfulness skills, paying attention to every detail of what you're doing, from washing dishes to work tasks to taking a walk. Your mind will wander, and that's normal. Each time you notice it has wandered, that's mindfulness. Consider how wonderful the world could be if everyone was mindful. You can help make that happen. It all starts with a mindful moment. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment. And if you'd like to support us, we would deeply appreciate you visiting patreon.com slash a mindful moment. Follow us on social media at A Mindful Moment Podcast. Visit our website, amindfulmoment.com, to access podcasts, scripts, and book recommendations. A Mindful Moment is written by Teresa McKee. The English version is hosted by Teresa McKee, and the Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Post-production and talent booking, Melissa Sims. Intro music, Retreat, by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll, by Josh Kirsch, MediaWrite Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions.